Blake. I'm Caleb. This is the Sunday Underground. Uh, last week, we talked about ghost stories with our friend Morgan, and that was a lot of fun. That was really fun. I enjoyed it. I did too. Um, so, and I said last week that we would be talking about demonic possessions yeah. today, and that's what we're doing. Cool. These, uh, I heard you're a big fan of those. I'm not. I actually <laughs> hate them. <laughs> I seriously, this was a hard one for me to work on because I don't like things like this. I hate demons. I hate possessions. I hate everything like that. It's not fun for me. What it, a phenomenon, though. It is. It's wild and it's crazy and. I just, I really don't. That's one of those things I do not enjoy watching or reading about. I can watch like slashers and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. But once, once you get into this, no, it's a pass. Also, I was working on this while I was at work one day. And there was a lady who was sitting at like the table uh, by the window. And I wasn't paying any attention. I was just, you know, minding my own business, working on this. And someone bangs on the window. Try and like it's another lady outside trying to get a, like her friend's attention who is eating inside. Uh-huh. I must have jumped like three feet out of that chair. <laughs> gotcha. It was so scary. It was just a weird, like jumpy feeling. Yeah. And I don't enjoy those. You got into your own head. And- I did. I I really did for this one. I was like, I thought I was like hearing stuff. Like this one, I really psyched myself out. I'm glad it's over. Like I'm glad that. After I tell you this story, I don't have to talk about it ever again. Yeah, well, I'm interested to see what you have to say, that's for sure. Okay, well, we are going to start with LaToya Ammons. She is, you know, the main character of this story. Okay. She, uh, her mother, Rosa Campbell, and LaToya's three children, uh, two sons and a daughter, they moved into a rental home located at 3860 Carolina Street in Gary, Indiana. Okay. So also, I think at one point, wasn't that like the murder capital of the world? Yeah, it's still not the best place to be. It's <laughs> essentially like East Chicago. It's pretty Ugh. rough. Well, they moved into that rental home uh, November of 2011. This ca- this is a house that's come to be called the House of uh, like 200 Demons or just the Demon House. It's believed that five people died in this home, uh, one of them being a little boy whose bedroom was in the back bedroom of the basement. Shortly after they moved in, they noticed that there was like a ton of flies on like their screened in porch. And so they killed them off, but then they came back. So they were like, okay, um, you know, kill them again. They kept coming back, kept coming back. And this was in the middle of winter. Too. Oh, that's so crazy. There should have been like no flies right. in this house. Right. And whenever I, I see like flies in my home, I'm like, is there a demon in here? Like, why is there a fly flying around my home? It like, it honestly, like it's little things like that, that I don't like that freak me out. That's not my initial go-to thought. I think like, you know, something in the garbage disposal or do we need to take the trash out or... I, and, like, I'll tell myself, like, every time, like, I see a fly, I'm like, it's probably because one of these kids was, like, flapping the door open. Yeah. Something probably flew in. Just but stuck in there. I am, like, so 
scared by this stuff that my mind immediately goes to. Like one fly in my living room and I'm like, well, there's <laughs> demons in this house. Got to move out. It's <laughs> wild. So as it goes in stories like this, things get worse. In the kitchen, there was a door leading down to the basement and late at night after everyone would go to sleep, they would hear footsteps going up and down the stairs. They'd hear a loud banging on the door and then they'd hear a dog barking even though they didn't have a dog and there were no dogs nearby. Rosa had a bedroom facing the living room and one night when she was laying down in bed, she saw a shadow figure like pass through the living room. So she got up to go check it out. And when she went in there, she found large wet boot prints on the floor. Another time she saw something coming out of her closet. But Rosa stated that she, you know, she was never bothered or possessed by any of the spirits or demons in the house because she said when she was born, she was born with like a guardian angel who protects her from things like that. Okay. So good for her. Yeah. March 10th, 2012, things take a significant turn for the worse. Uh, the family had a loved one passed away and they had a bunch of friends over and they were all up late, like grieving the loss of their family member or friend and, Latoya's daughter and a friend were hanging out in Rosa's room, which is just, you know, right off of the living room. Latoya goes in there to check on them and she starts screaming for her mom. So Rosa and their friends, they get up and run into the room and they find Latoya's 12-year-old daughter unconscious and levitating off of the bed. Oh my God, that's, that's crazy. I can't even imagine just the terror in that moment. Yeah. I would pass out. Yeah. I would, be, I would be no in no use in that situation. It would definitely seem like a dream or something. You yeah. Know? I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Well, everyone is understandably freaked out, but they all gather around the bed and begin to pray. And eventually she floats back down onto the bed and wakes up with no memory of what happened. Hmm. The friends that were there grieving with them that night, they never came back to that. Yeah, I don't blame them. I don't either. You couldn't pay me to step foot in the house again. No. So LaToya made multiple calls to local churches looking for some kind of help or advice to deal with the hauntings in her home. And a lot of churches that she called, you know, wouldn't help them. Um, but they finally found one who did. The church told them to clean the house with ammonia and bleach and to take oil and draw a cross over every door and window in the home. Okay. Now, she took it a step further, you know, just to be on the safe side and put the oil on her kids' hands and feet and drew crosses on their foreheads. Two mediums were also contacted and they both advised the family to move out of the home. But that, you know, for a lot of people, like it, it's easy to say, like, just move out of your house. But for a lot of people, that's not possible, you know, financially or, you know, other reasons. Yeah. That would suck. So bad. Yeah, I mean, you're trapped. I mean, yeah. you're essentially just trapped in. You're trapped in your safe space that is not a safe space. Yeah, you're right. But me, no, I'd move out if I had to sleep outside on the ground. That is how scared I am of things like this. <laughs> I would pitch a tent outside and camp. So, you know, the mediums—they both advised you know them to move out. They couldn't, but. One of the mediums told her to make an altar in the basement 
And that's when LaToya found out that she had more than 200 demons in her home. So uh, she, you know, they tell her to do this ritual. She follows it. She puts on a white t-shirt and like a white head scarf. And she's got a friend there like helping her with all of this. Uh She gets a little table, sets it up in the basement and covers it with like a white sheet, a candle and a statue of Mary, Joseph and Jesus. And then puts a Bible on the table too. She then goes upstairs and burns sage like all throughout the house. And her and her friend, like while they're walking through the house, they recite Psalm 91. And it's, you will now fear the terror of night. Or no, I'm sorry. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. The Bible is scary. Yeah. You know what I mean? That sounds like that sounds like death metal lyrics or something. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> like that is in the good book. That's funny. And well, it half ass worked because things were quiet for three days. But after those three days, the hauntings in uh increased even more. The kids were now being extremely affected by the demons that were in the house. Latoya and her mother witnessed the kids uh, being what they perceived as being possessed. So the children's eyes would bulge. They would have like evil smiles on their faces and would like speak in tongues in these demonic voices. Okay, that's that's really, really scary. I would hate that. You know how like when you're watching scary movies and like the person who's possessed or like the demon or the ghost or whatever talks in like that real terrifying noise yeah or like voice i yeah. hate that like why do, why do they have to sound like that yeah that's a good point why don't they have a regular voice yeah like why do we have to like i don't know why do, why do we have to go there like maybe just talk normally and i wouldn't be so scared yeah well the seven-year-old boy he would sit in his closet talking to a little boy that no one could see but him He was also thrown out of the bathroom by an unseen force. The other son would talk about what it was like to be killed. And the daughter told a therapist that she felt like she was being held down and choked. And that when that happened, she couldn't speak or move. She had voices tell her that she'd never see her family again. Like, can you imagine like how traumatizing that is for a child? No, I couldn't imagine. Um, Sounds like the whole house is worked up. Yeah. Just constant disarray. Yeah. Um, Latoya, she was also affected by it too. She would feel lethargic and lightheaded, and she would also suffer from body tremors and would feel like she couldn't control herself. And that's that's scary. That's super scary, feeling like you can't control yourself. Yeah. Oof. Well... A lot of the times the family would sleep at hotels to try and get some sort of peaceful night's sleep. One time they stayed the night at her brother's home for a couple of nights, but their time there was honestly anything but peaceful. While they were there, the children started chanting in these like scary demonic voices. And her brother was just like, no, no, this is too much. (laughs) I, I don't blame him. Oh, I would hate that. Was there a movie made about this? Or no? Yeah, actually. Uh, well, there was a, it was a documentary that was made, uh-huh. um, which we'll get into later. Okay. Um, but 
finally, Latoya is at the point where, you know, she's just like, I cannot take this anymore. And she takes her children to the doctor, you know, to see if maybe he could help. Um, while they were at the doctor's, you know, she was explaining what was going on with her two sons and her daughter. And the two sons were cur like cussing at the staff and screaming in their demonic voices. CPS filed a report with the police department that one of the boys had been thrown against the wall by an unseen force or something magical. And after that big meltdown at the doctor's office, the boys then passed out and were taken to the hospital. Now, this is honestly the most terrifying part of this whole story. Like just the visual and from the documentary like that I watched, just, it's, and it's not even like seeing it in the documentary, just the visual that you have from this alone it's just, it makes my skin crawl. Oh, man. Okay. So while they were in the emergency room, the daughter says, I can't take it anymore. The voices won't stop. And she re keeps repeating, I can't look in her eyes or in their eyes while the youngest boy's head is just rolling around on his sh shoulders. The little boy also says in his demonic voice, I've been here long enough. I came to kill. I'm going to kill now. Damn. But it gets worse. Okay. So the little boy then charges at Rosa, uh, the grandmother, and headbutts her in the stomach. He tells her that he's going to kill her, like, and he's just like staring around the room at like random things. Rosa grabs him by the hands and says, you're not my grandson, you're a demon. And that's when the little boy walks backwards up the wall and flips over top of Rosa and lands on his feet. Walks backwards up the wall on the ceiling, boop. Flips right over, right behind her. Did it, everybody else see this? Yeah, it was witnessed by a CPS worker, Valerie Washington, a psychologist, and hospital staff. Oh my God, what'd they do? They all ran out of the room. They, they like noted it in their reports and everything, but they like hoofed it out of that room as they should. He walked backwards up the wall yes. and flipped over? Yep. Hmm. Mm-mm. I don't know what I would do if I saw that. <laughs> I could cry. I don't know. That's Well, Father Magano, he had been involved with the family trying to help them get rid of what he believed to be demonic possession. He performed an exorcism on Latoya, and she said at one point she could feel like a spirit lift out of her. And sometimes when dealing with particularly like nasty spirits or demons... The person possessed will need to have a couple of exorcisms performed on them. The day before the second exorcism, Father Magano was riding his bike around the neighborhood and he notices that people are giving him like weird looks. And I want to know, what did they see? What did they see for him to be like getting weird looks when he was riding around a neighborhood? Yeah, like a demon attached to him or yeah. something? Yeah, like what was it? Did you have like... A demon like riding on your handlebars or like, you know, like on the back of your pegs? Was there like a black mist following you around? I'm mm -hmm. very curious to know like No one described anything? Mm -mm. Not not from what I could like find in my research, uh, no. That's disappointing. Yeah. I want to know too. Well, he was just like, hmm, okay, you know, like why is everybody staring at me? But keeps on riding his bike. And as he continues on, he's thrown from his bike. Like... He's actually pushed off of his bike, but nobody's around. And, you know, he was just, like, 
okay, like this was most likely a demon, mm -hmm. but I've got a job to do, so I'm not going to let this scare me. So a week after they were discharged from the hospital, police, a CPS worker, and Father Magano were at the house doing a wellness check. When they walked in, they all had a really uneasy feeling, and the cops noticed that there were like candles and Bibles all over the place. Mm -hmm. They walked down into the basement, and they're looking around, but don't really see anything that just, you know, jumps right out at them. But they did have their flashlights, and like when they were looking around down there, shining their flashlights on everything— the flashlights would start flickering on and off until they just completely went dead. And they were really weirded out by that because the flashlight, like the batteries had just been changed that morning in the flashlight. Yeah, that's a big no for me. Yeah. I would have been out at that point. I can't, I can't do that. The dark or yeah. just like, yeah, I can't. Um, well, the dark and then like, you know, you know something's there too. It's not like you think something's there. Right. Like you know something's there. You know, and I have to like commend all these people mm -hmm. knowing what they know, uh, you know, from the CPS reports and like witness accounts and coming from the family themselves mm -hmm. to go in that house. I'd be like, no, I'm not. I quit. Yeah. Fire me if you must, but I'm not going in there. Yeah, I 100% would not go in there. Mm -mm. Well, so they go to turn around and walk back up the stairs from the basement, but they notice that while the whole floor in the basement is cement, the floor underneath the stairs is dirt, and it has like a little pan with a candle sitting in the dirt. They decide to dig deeper because Father Magano thought that like maybe something is buried under there that was causing, you know, all this chaos in the home. So they dig Deep, like a four by three hole mm -hmm. underneath the stairs. They didn't find a body, but they did find a pair of women's underwear, a pink press on nail, two kids socks, a thick metal bar and a red piece of tin. I don't know what all of those things would be doing buried underneath the stairs. But that's weird. Right. Like seems like stuff that could go like to the dump, put it in a trash can. And why would it be buried so far down? I have no idea. I mean... Like like it's like some crazy ritual or something? Yeah, or maybe they were using those items to like curse somebody or something. Ugh. So they go upstairs and they continue their investigation and they saw that there was like oil dripping from the window blinds. The CPS worker there, um, which was not the same one that was in the hospital that witnessed the kid walking back up the wall because uh, she was like, no, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, I don't blame her. <laughs> yeah, that is a smart lady. Yeah. Uh, so it was a different one that was there. So she touches the oil on the blinds because she's like, you know, this is weird. Mm -hmm. um, half of her hand went numb and turned white like all of the blood had drained out of it. So they wiped off the blinds and continue looking around. And in a police report, it was noticed that the cops there had heard some unexplainable things, like somebody whispering, hey, when they played back the recording that they did of the house. Uh -huh. And uh, they also took a picture in the basement. And when it was taken, they noticed that there was like a shadow in the picture that looked like a face. Oh, man. So later, the cops were standing outside talking to the CPS worker and Father Magano came outside and he was just like white as a ghost. And they asked him, you know, like, what is wrong with you? And he stated that the blinds were dripping oil again. So they all leave and one of the cops um, that was there stops at a gas station parking lot about a mile and a half away from the house. And while he stopped, his radio cuts off 
turns to static and a voice growls out, who's in there? Damn. <laughs> this story yeah. is like fucking crazy. No. I know. It's this can now do you understand why this scared me so much? This was I was like, you know, while I was working on it, I'm like, why did I agree to this? Why would th- it was my idea. Yeah. Uh, but like why did I why did I do this? Why did I put myself in this situation? I mean, I I find the situation like terrifying, very scary, whatever, but I don't get scared from the story if that makes sense like i would not i would be terrified if i was in the position absolutely but just hearing it like i don't get terrified like i do yeah i don't like hearing i'm, I'm yeah. not sure a lot of people do but my skin was crawling while i was researching this thing mm-hmm. so father magano he comp- continues to perform exorcisms on latoya and the house uh two police officers the cps worker they were there when one of the exorcisms was done And a month after the exorcism was done, the CPS worker broke three ribs and also sustained third-degree burns, broke her hand, and broke her ankle, and all were separate incidents. Oh, my God. Months after the emergency room visit, uh, LaToya was spiritually cleansed and was able to get her children back and move to Indy with her mom. Zach Baggins, he eventually got wind of this story, and he decided to check it out. Because uh, it got, like, just tons of just, like, national, like, press. Uh-huh. Um, so he buys the Demon House on Carolina Street. He bought it? Yeah, he bought it for $35,000. And a week later, he heads out there to make his documentary, Demon House. Uh, it took three years to finish the documentary, and... He even stated uh, that he believes the documentary is cursed. So cool. I watched it. (laughs) Excellent. I love that Uh, for myself. Does it describe like what about it is cursed? Um, No, it never really got into like why. Like I know that, you know, there's, it's rumored that like five people have been murdered in there. Uh, previously, like one of them being like that little boy who was in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Just I don't know. You think like weird things happening on set? Maybe. Yeah, they never really came out and said like it's this specific incident that caused this house to be cursed. Hmm. Okay. So, Not long after the Ammons family moves out, squatters move in. One of the women living there said, you know, there's nothing crazy that ever happened to her, but her fiance had a different story. So Zach Baggins asks him to, you know, tell him a little bit about his experience there. And the guy says he wouldn't talk to him until they sat down and came to an agreement. Apparently, Inside Edition was also trying to talk to him before Zach came along. Hmm. So, you know, he he bought the house. It's his. So he is walking around, you know, checking out the house and he gets a text from his friend who's a medium. And he's like, hey, be careful in that house. And then goes on to describe a demon and said that it's like an eight out of 10 on like the bad demon scale. Oh, wow. Okay. So the demon he described to Zach was the same demon that was in Zach's dream before he bought the house. 
So he tries getting in touch with Latoya while he's in town, but she never returns his phone calls. So they get into the car and drive to her apartment since she won't answer their phone calls. And they found her apartment because she'd been in the news recently talking about how this new apartment that she was in had like a mold problem. So that was a little suspicious. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that like, I don't believe her, but I don't know. It was just kind of weird. You go from like being on TV because you and your children are possessed to now like getting on TV again because there's mold in your house, which rightly so, that's a problem that should be bought to brought to everybody's attention, you know, yeah. if, especially if nothing's being done about it. Uh-huh. But it kind of looks a little suspicious to me because of this as well. So he gets to their house and she flat out refuses to be on the documentary, won't even talk to him. Her and her mom, they won't come out of the house to talk to him either because he had went into the house and they thought that he might, you know, have something attached to him from being inside the house. Okay, that's so fair. The brother, yeah, I totally get it. That is fair, 100%. But the brother did end up talking to Zach. And in the course of that conversation, he finds out that they are talking to a movie producer about their experience. Okay. So that makes it a little suspicious as yeah. well. Like, But also, too, I don't know anything about how the movie industry works. But, like, if you're talking to someone, you shouldn't be talking to another person because of, like, rights or, mm-hmm. like... You know, I don't know. I thought it was weird. Yeah. And what made it even more weird is there was a news article that was presented to um, him and his team stating that the stepmother of LaToya had said that none of it ever happened. It was all a hoax. wasn't true. Oh, that's pretty wild. Yeah. That's pretty big for your stepmom to come out and say that. And I have no idea what their relationship is like. But... I mean, but other people witnessed all this stuff happening. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I don't know why her stepmom would say that, and I don't know the relationship. Maybe it was just, like, something to try and get back at her Mm -hmm. or, you know, like, maybe take, like, the heat off of the story or Uh the attention away from it. But you had multiple witnesses for these experiences. Mm -hmm. So, but... Regardless of all that information, they still decide to proceed with their investigation. They invite a health inspector to come over and inspect the home because sometimes mold can make you have like psychotic episodes. The health inspector, after completing uh, completing his inspection, he was on his way home and almost had a tree fall onto his vehicle. He was later then choked by what he says is an unseen force, and he also developed cancer not long after visiting the house. Mm, that's a hell of a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have like the CPS worker who, you know, had all that bad stuff happen to her. Mm-hmm. You have the health inspector. That's getting weird. A woman named Mika and her three children stopped by the house one day and they asked to look inside. Mika told them that when she was 10 years old, she had lived in that house. So they're all looking around the house and then they all go down to the basement and she tells them that her brother had died, not in the home or anything. He was killed outside of the home, but that his room 
was the bedroom in the basement. She told them that when she had dreams in the house, um, that, you know, there would be like someone I know that would die soon. And then her brother, who used to live in the basement, was shot and killed. And no one would listen to her when it happened, you know? So she just, you know, didn't tell anybody about like her dreams. It almost sounds to me like it was like a premonition yeah. of some sort. Yeah. So Mika and, you know, her kids, they're pretty freaked out. And I don't blame them. Uh, and the boy asked Zach if whatever is in the house will follow them home. He walks out of the house and stands by the car just like staring at the house, which was terrifying to see. Yeah. Just even that simple, just simple thing that is, you know, would not be weird in any other situation, but is terrifying in this context. Yeah. <laughs> Two days after stopping by the house, Mika calls Zach and tells him that one of her daughters had tried to kill herself by overdosing on medication and stabbing herself in the wrist and not cutting, but stabbing. That's like stigmata. Yeah. Stuff. Like, yeah, she took a pin and tried to stab herself in the wrist. The incident, like that, that happening, it scared one of the crew members so much that he quit. He's like, I'm out. I'm not doing this documentary. That's wild. The house then claimed another victim. And this time it was a longtime friend of Zach's. She reached out to him and told him that she had made contact with the spirit in the home a few months after that phone call. Uh, her and her roommate died in a double murder-suicide at the hands of her husband. Damn. Isn't that terrible? That's that's wild. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, a cameraman, he was also affected by the house. One night, they were at their hotel, and the camera guy like feels like he's being stabbed in the stomach. So he goes into the bathroom and starts vomiting blood. The rest of the crew hears him yelling, and they run out into the hall. To, you know, to see what's going on. And this guy is just going nuts. He's yelling and cussing, saying he wants to go back to the house. He's like screaming, like, come and get me, fucker. You know, like talking to like someone that literally no one but himself can see. And he's just, he's acting like he's taunting someone. So they get him to calm down. And that's when he tells them that he saw uh, the demon from Zach's dream in the elevator and that it wants Zach. Days later, this guy is just still raging and they end up having to send him home because it was just, you know, not a good situation for him. He was still like really fucked up by it. So now we get into the part where Zach Baggins decides to board himself up in the home. And that's a no for so many reasons. Yeah, same. <laughs> no, no, because obviously demons. And no, because can you imagine being boarded up in a house period? Like big sheets of plywood on every window, door, exit, entrance. That gave me the creeps as well. Just like, I don't know. I guess I just, I don't like the feeling of being boxed in. Right, like a giant coffin house. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it was. I do want to point out now, like when you, if you watch the documentary, like when they go into the house, the furniture is very, very sparse, maybe like a table here or there. Uh -huh. um, and so when he locked himself up 
in the house, there was like furniture in there. And I think they maybe did it for like, you know, maybe they wanted him to be comfortable, dramatic effect, whatever. Cause it had like chairs and tables, a TV, a bed, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe, maybe they did it because like, to see if there would be like more activity, like, oh, look at the lamp on the table. It moved, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I thought that was a little weird, but it was okay. It added to the story. So after being in the house for a couple of hours, Zach hears a woman whisper, that's my baby. I would like, I would be trying to karate kick that door down. There is no way. But that's not even the worst thing that he hears. Later, he like something growls at him. So, and then like another thing that was also very terrifying in this documentary was he sees like something coming from the walls, like out of the wall. And he gets this really intense headache behind his eyes. And after that incident, he actually had some problems with his eyes and is now forced to wear a special kind of glasses to correct his vision. It's like, I think you said they were like prism glasses or something. No kidding. Yep. So he was understandably, you know, he was freaked out by all the harm that had been done to people because of this house. So he decided to bulldoze the house. It no longer stands. It's completely gone. But it's not actually completely gone because he decided to keep a bucket of dirt in the basement stairs. Why? I don't know. If you're going to go to the trouble of bulldozing the house, why would you keep like a piece around? I wouldn't. That doesn't make any damn sense. Burn it all to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, they bulldozed it all down, took it to a like landfill. Uh Uh-huh. But he kept the dirt. Uh, there is actually to also a part two of this documentary. It's like lost, unseen footage. But honestly, I had enough of being scared <laughs> at this point. Yeah. So if you want to watch that, you, can, you guys are going to have to enjoy that one on your own because I will not be finishing that part two. Maybe one day you can uh, reapproach it. Maybe. Maybe so. Um, right now, though, I was honestly so freaked out I'd had enough. I was like, I can't watch this. What's the name of the documentary? It's called Demon House. Demon House, okay. It's on Amazon Prime. Okay. I think it's on Prime. I know it's definitely on Amazon. Um, yeah, that is that is my demonic story for you today, as promised. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, I don't like... Like, it's it's scary seeing stuff move or... You know, hearing noises, but once when you start getting like um, nauseating feelings, like messing with your eyes, like um, projecting thoughts and things like inside of you, that's what is scary to me. Yeah, I don't like the the really like unnatural things of mm-hmm. it, like the little boy walking backwards up the wall yeah. or Reagan in the exorcist back walking down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely hate that. It or like any like contortion of their body or things. That's not a natural movement. Mm-hmm. Um, like we talked about last episode, the mom in hereditary. Yeah. I, I can't even, I have no words. It's just absolutely terrible. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Possession stuff is really weird to me. Um, 
the psychology of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing too, because like while I'm like doing this, I'm trying to like rationalize it in my brain. Like, mm-hmm. like let's take this case for instance. Could it have been something to where like, you know, the family is grieving, um, a loss of a loved one. The mom is like super upset. The children are super upset. They start feeding off of like each other's energy. Yeah. Um, you know, and then like, is it, is it, cause it, sorry, could it turn into like something like mental in your brain? Like you're like manifesting in your brain or you're, you're tricking your brain into thinking that all of these things that are, are happening are real or, you know, and then like the mom's like, cause kids, you know, they feed off the energy of their parents. If you're in a good mood or you're a bad mood, like, sure. could it have been a situation where maybe the mom was stressed and the children were feeding off of it, like, you know, and coming up with their own things. I always wonder about stuff like that. Uh, Me too. In demonic possession when I'm trying to make myself not scared. I'd like try and look at like the rational side of it. Yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know. I've never really looked into possession and stuff. Um, I do love the movie, The Exorcist. And, the like the main priest is he studied psychology mm-hmm. yeah so, uh, that's why I've always made that connection I guess yeah I find it interesting you know and too like they talk about um, in some cases of demonic possession people having like a natural strength well that's like people it could that could be attributed to people at um, like mental institutions who yeah are having psychotic breaks and they have like this insane strength. Mm -hmm. Like someone like me, like five foot two can rip a door off of the hinges. Yeah. You know, is it, is it something that's maybe like that? I don't know. I don't need I don't know either. Um, I had something to say. I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, um, you know, everyone that does like, um, the exercising and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, exorcisms. It's always like Catholic priest. Why isn't it like any other religion? You know, I don't know. Specifically um, Catholic. You yeah. Know? Because like, you know, you have so many like different religions, mm-hmm. um, that have evil spirits in their lore mythology or whatever. Yeah. Um, maybe it's, I don't know. That's a very good question. Maybe it's because like these people are they spe- this this group or you know specifically believes in God like and that's like their that's religion. their religion. Yeah, maybe so. But I don't know. Like, couldn't you call like I don't know, like a witch or you know, like somebody else that's not Catholic? Yeah, it's like do they have the monopoly on exorcisms or what? Right. I'll have to look into that. I'm com- completely curious now. Yeah, me too. Because that thought popped in my head. I'm glad you brought that up. You'll have to tell me what you find out because like, I'm very curious. You never see like Reverend Nielsen at the bedside. Like, yeah. You know, they're possessed. Like, like your, lo- your local, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, it's scary and I'm glad it's over. 
or so you think. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, terrifying. I would hate to be put in that situation, and I feel sorry for people that do have to deal with that because I'm sure people think you're um, psychotic. Yeah. Afterwards, just no. hearing it. If I, if I didn't see it, I'd be like, what What are you talking about? Oh, no. If somebody told me, I'd 100% believe them. Really? Yep. I'd be like, well, you know, I'm, it's... At first, no, I take that back. At first, I'd probably be like, are you crazy? Like, what is going on? Are you insane? Yeah. But it scares me so much, I would probably believe them. I'd be because, like, no, that's it. Okay. Like, you're taught to believe that things aren't there. I mean, you know, don't be afraid of the dark. Nothing's there. It's all in your head. I mean, we're taught as little kids to think that something's not there. Yeah. You know, you're scaring yourself, blah, blah, blah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like... My initial reaction would be to be terrified either way, even if they're just crazy or even if they are 1,000% telling the truth, completely sane, I would be scared either way. Yeah, I'd say prove it. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> just kidding. Like, don't prove it. No. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, that's the end of the episode today. Thanks for listening. Yeah, that was a good one. Thank you. See ya. See ya.